everybody. You know, Charles, normally I would ask you to turn this up in my headphones, but you are blasting this thing right now. <laughs> um, you know, I try to anticipate your needs. I, I think you anticipate a bit too much. This might be the first ever. Please, please turn turn this down a bit in my headphones, there, Charles. Just okay, yeah, okay. Wow. But now, now that it's at a normal rate, I'm gonna have to ask you to turn it up. <laughs> you know what? I think that window is passed. Maybe just run it Hello? back. Run it back another <laughs> time, there, Charles. That would be a first for the show, and I don't know if we're ready mm. for such a technological accomplishment. <laughs> of playing the theme song twice. <laughs> of playing it twice. It's a day of firsts, though, on the FDF podcast. It is. What a great segue. Would you like to explain why it's a day of firsts? Because I don't think we've ever covered a TV show before, and today we are discussing The Witcher Season 1 of the TV series on Netflix. That's right. Today we're discussing our first ever TV series, The Witcher, on Netflix. Yeah, I'm excited yeah. to get into this. I This basically just happened because Charles spoke about Geralt and his protagonist, favorite protagonist. It's true. Uh, <laughs> and we... We got into what I thought was a pretty interesting discussion around what makes Geralt interesting. And I I kind of never got into The Witcher before that in any way, Charles, because I think I mis... <laughs> Somehow I had this misinterpretation of The Witcher as if it was just like a, a Basham <laughs> uh, show about like fighting monsters without any depth to it so i was kind of like eh, i don't know if that's for me uh, because it was I'm a video kinda... game or what i guess it was a combination of a video it's that it was a video game and that i knew it was about a monster hunter and i also uh, my my friend alex who watches the show i kind of sometimes assume that if he's into it, then it must be like a meathead show, which is not fair to Alex. I'm sorry if you're listening, Alex. You're you're a man of much depth, but I I don't know. I misinterpreted a lot of things, and then you, Charles, were saying that a lot of it deals with these matters of morality that Geralt has to grapple with, and I think those are the the true enemies that Geralt must face <laughs> are these moral yes. questions. Yes, you know, uh, uh, on the surface, he is a man who's paid to kill monsters, but then you have to ask yourself, who's the real monster? <laughs> and that's, that's the question fair. that's... That is what is discussed in the Witcher series. So you were inspired to watch it based off of my discussion in our protagonist series? Is that what you're saying? Well, yeah, you know, we do the character series and we did a yeah. protagonist episode. Uh, I guess I'm, hopefully that's been released by this point. It should have been, yeah. It should have been yeah. released. Um, 
uh, on August 23rd. Oh, all right. And, and this will air right after that? Right before that? Yeah. No, right afterwards. Right afterwards. So that will air on Sunday, and then this will air on Wednesday. Oh, great. All right. That's perfect, then. Because yes. <laughs> as the fans may or may not know, we are currently still dealing with the fact that Charles and I recorded a bunch of episodes in advance. Yeah, like two months worth. <laughs> yeah, so we're trying to catch up and get live because we actually didn't expect that you listeners would be out there and like engaging with us on social media for a long time. So we weren't prepared <laughs> to actually have to be anything resembling live because, yeah, why would we? And now we're like, oh, people are interacting with us about episodes that are way past. We recorded a month and a half ago. We don't yeah. even remember what we. We don't even remember the jokes that were in it or anything like that. So, nope, we are trying to close that gap. But you know what? We had to come together for this extra. I guess it's technically a bonus episode because it's a Wednesday. Yeah. It's this is also a, a first. We were talking about firsts. This is our first non-review of reviews bonus episode. So this is also something that's very interesting that we've never done before. We're just trying to get more content to you guys. This means that in two weeks we will have gotten four episodes, yeah. which will be another first for us. It's a lot of content. Yeah, and it, it came about because literally I, I got interested after hearing Charles talk about uh, <laughs> The Witcher, and I almost started reading the books at one point, but uh, I wanted to save Save that for save it for the show. Fantasy, yeah. So, I I was able to hold myself off by watching the show, and then uh, I was like, "Look, if I'm gonna watch this whole show anyway, it's a fantasy show that uh, probably a lot of our listeners are interested in. Then might as well record an episode about it." So <laughs> here we are. Yeah, and at this point, I would say I'm I'm almost done with the series. There's um several books there's like a couple standalone books and i've read those and then there is the actual witcher series which is five books and i'm on the last one the lady of the lake and i'm almost done with it so um, i was holding off to watch the show until i had finished the books but uh dylan tends to get his way on these kinds of things so <laughs> i i watched the show and now we're here I, the bitterness in Charles's voice comes from the fact that we initially set out to watch all of Cursed and then record an episode of that. And because I watched at this about... moment in history, Cursed is like the number one watched show on Netflix, and Witcher has been out for a very long time. So. Yeah, so we're recording in uh, early August over, like August first over here, and and Cursed when we were planning what we we're gonna do was yeah number one and it's not anymore you, not anymore it's still in the top five i think yeah. Yeah. i saw umbrella academy was number one yeah well, that just came out today watch oh is that a season two no it dropped today? on friday no it dropped on friday oh. today's sunday Dude, Saturday, so it dropped yesterday yeah we do we do i was a big right. fan of the original well i was like a i was a Big fan, not huge fan. <laughs> I think I liked the first season more than you did. Probably. I Honestly, it's been so long now. It was like a lifetime ago. I don't remember much. 
Well, anyway, this episode's about Witcher. This episode's about Witcher. <laughs> and we'll do more TV in the future, so, but for now, let's pivot back to... Wait, wait, we gotta tell the cursed bit, though. I started that already, oh, which okay. is that Charles, what'd you watch, three episodes of Cursed yes, or something? Yes, I watched like 20 minutes, and I kind of wasn't into it. Um, <laughs> I like coming with super hot takes right now, but I just was like, eh, this doesn't catch my interest. And then I was watching Witcher, and uh, Charles, this whole time I, I we had way. agreed to watch season one of Cursed, so I'm like three episodes in, and on my own, in my own personal life, I don't know if I would have watched past episode one, but I was powering through. I was like getting ready, taking notes, and then it's like a few days. It's not even a week of time, but before we were scheduled to record, and you were like, "Let's just do Witcher instead." I was like, so. I, all this work, I, the three hours plus of work I've put into Curse, we'll just forget. And then I'll just put like eight hours, because I had seen the first couple episodes of Witcher. So, so I'll put in all these other hours in the next few days to finish it. So what can I say? I was happy to do it. Um, <laughs> Charles, such a hero for indulging Honestly, Curse wasn't going anywhere. It was already becoming yesterday's news and... We could have said all stuff about how it wasn't for us, but, you know, it wasn't a very um, constructive conversation that we were working towards, so we had to pivot. Yeah, being able to pivot and be flexible is huge as a podcast host, and Charles exhibited that by watching The Witcher, and I didn't. And you so, know what? It was a much more pleasant experience to watch uh, Witcher than it was to watch Cursed. I'll say that. That's fair. So yeah. here we are. We're watching. We're, we watched Witcher. We're here. We're talking about it. Um, so I guess, Dylan, if you want to, you, because you're new to Witcher as a whole. Mm-hmm. The, you've never played the video games. You never read the books. So this is your first exposure to Witcher. Why don't you give us your uh, first impressions? Well, I really, I touched on this a little bit already, but I really enjoyed just this overarching concept of exploring when something is technically a monster, or even if it is a monster, like, should we actually kill this thing? And I... I liked grappling with all that. You know, like if this person used to be a a, a human, usually a princess, because like every other character is a princess in The Witcher, at least the TV show. It's like, you know, you meet Remfrey. There's going to be spoilers in this episode. Like everything that we cover, there's spoilers <laughs> of the thing we're covering. But, you know, in the first episode, you meet Remfrey, and she's a princess, mm-hmm. and then Ciri's a princess, and then there's the... Oh, what was the name of that monster that used to be a princess? Uh, everyone's Stryger, a princess in The, the Witcher. Stryger? Stroger? Yeah, Stroger? Is that right? Striga. Striga. Okay, Striga. Okay. All right, that's Striga. So, yeah, that's a princess. So you can pretty much assume that everything's a princess in this show until you have reason to believe otherwise. But, uh, the yeah, uh, that was not my main takeaway. But I did enjoy the, this idea of okay, Geralt's a monster hunter, monster killer, but he's actually got to confront these matters of, like, what's the lesser evil here, and how do I get involved in a way that aligns with my own morality? And 
that was really cool. I I also just thought that the series was really well acted. Kevin oh, for Kato sure. Was... I mean, we were t- we talked about in the character series why, well, I did mostly why Geralt is such a good character. And I think because on the surface, he's very much like the kind of person you thought he was before deciding to watch the show of this, just like this brutish smash him, beat him up kind of character, just like the, um, a violent monster bounty hunter. But um, what makes Witcher so good is that he is that character and he was like trained to be that character, but he's often recruited into these situations where it's a little more complicated and, and, He's trying not to get involved in politics, but you can see him struggling to do the right thing. And I think Henry Cavill does a, a fantastic job as Geralt of he's very stoic, but you can see in his eyes he's like trying to decide what to do. And you can see he desperately yeah. wants to do the right thing. So it was super interesting to see this guy who's very like monotone, matter of fact, but who's also internally very complicated and and how he kind of goes from situation to situation where things are getting messier and messier. And, and Henry Cavill does a fantastic job of, of acting as Geralt for sure. Highlight That's a great series. description that you have over there. This idea that he's stoic externally, but yeah, there's just something in those eyes or something. Right. In the like way he holds in, himself. There's also like that moment where, I think it's episode four where he's at the banquet with the law of surprise and all that. And yep. he's trying to decide if he should intervene because Queen Calanthe wants to kill um, Dooney or, or at least prevent him from marrying um, the Pavetta. So you have um, Geralt sitting there and he's deciding like he knows that the law of surprise is like the right thing to do. And he's like, he doesn't have to get involved. It's not his place. It's not his people or anything. And he uh-huh. was pretty much invited there to help Queen Calanthe, like, be a brutish thug, basically. Everyone kind of thinks he's going to be a thug for them. But then he starts to think about it, and Henry Cavill's sitting there. You see him, like, thinking it out, and it was really well portrayed. And then he does ultimately, spoilers, get involved but by defending the law of surprise and going against the Queen, which... Mm-hmm. has all kinds of ramifications later uh, for sure <laughs> in Geralt's history but it's moments like that where it's always good when a you know a character's trying to do the right thing and it and when you have something like a monster bounty hunter in these seemingly fairy tale like stories where there's usually always like a good and bad and and you know a moral sometimes it's just like it gets a little messier and he has to decide if he's going to get involved or not and I thought that was really well accurately portrayed in mm-hmm. the series. It's awesome. Even in how the he first does episode it. with the lesser evils, I mm-hmm. prefer not to choose at all, but then we yeah. know ultimately he does choose. Yeah. And he gets labeled a butcher for it and cast out. And so, you know, it's interesting stuff like that. That's really the meat of the show. Is that a butcher pun? Yes, it is. <laughs> <laughs> so. I yeah, I really appreciate that and something I really appreciate while we're on the topic of Geralt as the protagonist here is mm-hmm. seeing yeah, I talked about how I really like proactive protagonists. And although yes. Geralt's always talking about, hey, like 
I don't, I choose, I would rather choose not to make a choice than choose the lesser evil. He's actually, he takes some pretty proactive actions that. Oh, yeah. He abandons like that almost immediately. Would, uh, heroes is a strong word maybe for Geralt, but other protagonists might not. And I just really appreciate all the times where. He's in this situation where, you know, maybe he's got to get in somewhere and there's a guard or whatever. So he's just like, okay, well, I guess I'll punch out the guard and go in. Like, there's like the guard might try to talk to him and tell him why he shouldn't go in or whatever. But Geralt's like, well, I can punch you and go in anyway. So I'm just going to do that. It almost reminds me of some of what we talked about with (laughs) what uh, Jorg. Uh, has yeah. from Mark Lawrence's uh, Broken Empire. Uh, York's very different in a lot of ways from Geralt, and he's a way, way worse person than Geralt is. Yeah, Geralt um, is very noble, and and yeah. and and York has doesn't have a noble bone in his body. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, but that attitude of like, when you know something has to be done, then it no longer really matters what's in your way. You're just going to go and yes. do it. And I feel like yes. that's something I really like about Geralt. Right. And that's shown right away in episode one when he's in Blaviken and he just kills all those guys in the street. I mean, they were going to try and storm a castle and, and kill a lot of people in a market square to try and draw them out. So Geralt knew that a lot of innocent people would die if he didn't kill these people, but they hadn't done anything yet. So it just looked like Geralt just walked up to these people yep. and 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 killed them all. So, but it wasn't a question for him of how he would be perceived. It was the noble thing to do once he decided that, like you know, I don't really have a choice. I tried to give her an option to the to like walk away from all this, and she didn't choose it. So now I have to get involved, and and uh, he definitely pays the price for a while there of being labeled the butcher of Blavkin. So. No, that's what makes Geralt a good character. It's what makes The Witcher a, a good series, certainly. For sure. I, You know, you're talking about that first episode. First off, the fight scenes were so well yeah. choreographed, especially yes. in that first episode, I felt like, but throughout the show. And, I mean, I guess it's no surprise to anyone that Henry Cavill can do a really good fight scene, but yeah. he, it was incredible. The, his acting and the, and just the way those things are choreographed. So I want to mention that. Yeah, and even like the monsters were all super cool. Also, you could mm-hmm. tell they put a lot of uh, production value into this show. And like it starts off right off the bat with the Kikimura, and I thought that was a lot of yeah. fun and very entertaining. And I think maybe my favorite episode was the one where he is fighting the Striga in the um in the abandoned section mm. of the castle and. But, yeah, there's so many cool, like, fighting set pieces throughout the show, and they look fantastic, and Henry Cavill does a great job of, of, like, learning how to hold a sword and things like that. Like, he's really terrific, so. Yeah. That was another very strong part of the show, definitely. I really liked Renfrey as a character. It was a shame, I guess, spoilers, (laughs) to see her have to go down in that first episode. She was a great actress. Emma Appleton, apparently. But I don't know. That was she was a cool character and I think like she was. the the arc made sense, like that it went 
that way to set the tone for the rest of the show. Like she didn't really have a place in the story besides the one that she played. But but she had a lot is, of charisma. For yeah, sure. I felt yeah. like there's so many like it was some of my least favorite casting was with all the mages. I thought yeah. most of them outside of Yennefer had no like pizzazz to them at all. It was Yennefer, and then it was um, what's the name of the guy that was a Stregobor who was fighting against Renfri? But and he was even just like a just kind of a a jerky character. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. and, and I mean, I love Yennefer as a character. She she's for sure is way up there, and especially in the books, but. Um, yeah, I just they didn't have as much charm for me. So characters like Geralt and Renfrey, they were they had a, they were um, definitely much more entertaining to watch. For sure. I mean, that first scene where she just kind of like chugs the beer and then yeah. it's like <laughs> like ah, oh, this is a princess. Like that's uh, interesting. Is uh, I don't know. She she was really a cool character so i was sad to see her go um i think yeah i was in that last episode i remember thinking so uh k K here is fighting against that like new mage that was recently introduced and i can't remember his name uh so i'm kind of sorry about that. who is fighting against the new mage K here, the guy who was chasing after uh, Siri and then had the doppelganger. Uh, oh, that. Oh, was taken. yeah, yeah. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Uh, that guy, the knight of Nilfgaard. Um, so th- he is fighting against this mage that was introduced, uh, like within the last couple of episodes, and I was like, okay, this show's asking a a lot of me here to like care about two characters fighting that aren't Geralt, Yennefer, or Siri. I guess I was like, I'm pretty much I'm invested in all three of those characters, but other than that, I was kind of like, mm, no right. one really that was sticks out. Like I don't know if it, like my biggest one of my biggest criticisms of this show was just the burningly fast pace it was moving at. Like, I have no idea why in one season they felt like they had to burn through almost two books worth of material. For me, it always felt rushed, and all these great moments with great payoffs seemed to have, like, they had to just keep it moving, keep it moving. So you never got to, like, sit with any of these characters. Except That's for the main totally three. Fair. And then it's a, the whole season ends where all of these mages are fighting and you're like, so what exactly? Like, <laughs> am I supposed to feel anything for these characters? Because they weren't very charismatic in the first place. They weren't very memorable in the first place. And then now we're already rushing to this end piece of a, of a huge mage battle. And it's like, that's how the show ends. So it's like, okay, well. I was never on board with any of this. At least they're gone now. So we can focus on other stuff, I suppose. But that's totally fair. I felt so I, I'm interested to hear more from you, Charles, because you've actually read the vast mm-hmm. majority of the books at this point. Mm-hmm. But my impression without having read the books was I felt like the 
the pacing of the show did ask the viewer to do a lot of <laughs> i don't know just kind of like rolling with what they're doing now i mean even just with how it's like okay well i guess uh i guess yeah maybe this is a bad example because of the role that the gin potentially played in this but i was like okay i guess mm -hmm. Geralt and Yennefer are like really into each other all of a sudden. And I felt like, right. especially when it happens, because you don't yet know the role that the djinn may or may not have played in that. Um, just kind of like music starts playing that indicates like, oh, this is the kind of music that means they're going to start kissing each other. <laughs> and I was like, oh, I guess they're going to, they're about to kiss each other. But I wasn't like yeah. feeling the buildup besides the fact that these are like two people that are like you know <laughs> i guess like attractive right. people who are near each other <laughs> i guess I, I, you know right. there's there's build up but it wasn't like that moment i was like oh like this romance is coming to a head here and right. i i felt that with a lot of moments that it was just i'm trying to think of other good examples of that but uh just uh yeah. Oh, 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 this one. That, like, the relationship between uh, Yennefer and her mentor figure, I know yes. they have, a, like, a decent amount of interactions, but the moment where, the, like, she's told in one, uh, maybe this is the last episode, like, she told me that you were, like, her greatest student ever yeah, and I feel like yeah. that's a moment that I should have like I understand story-wise I'm supposed to like think that's important or like take that as a big deal but we just didn't get enough time I felt like where that felt earned I was just kind of like oh okay I guess Jennifer was the best student but she was out of there pretty quick uh, right in terms of the like amount of episodes she actually spent training under her Right. And you touched on two different things. One, I'll start with the shorter conversation first. And that's with just my whole thing with Yennefer. I totally agree. All the mage stuff was rushed because I think they just wanted to end with that magic battle and just, you know, kind of force themselves into that. Yennefer, even, to, to where it's like you were the best student. You know, I felt like this whole show, Yennefer was kind of just like, kind of a dick to everybody and like not nice and and rude and kind of off-putting even though i i love yennefer as a character her show the version of her in the show is portrayed much more like nihilistically and much more bitter and and mean than in than in the books and the games like she is always like a overconfident um kind of walking her own path kind of character but she's much more like grounded in the books and and they do have a lot more time like the next thing i'll get into is much longer about the story but they do have much more time to flesh her out and like the books don't necessarily get into her backstory as much as the show did like the show started from the very beginning which i'd never seen in the books they they never talk about where yennefer came from and the, the the first time we see yennefer in the books 
I mean, they talk about her, but I want to say the first story with her in it is the one with the, with the, um, not the genie. What's that thing called? Jin. The Jin. I think that is their first story we see with Yennefer. But yeah, Geralt and Yennefer always had this bizarre kind of attraction to each other. And by the end of that story, they're, you find their like destinies are pretty much bonded together but uh the the main thing i wanted to talk about that you had mentioned is the pacing of the story and the structure like for me the biggest takeaway i had from this was how confusing i would say the show was like if i hadn't read the books i, I would have had a i feel like i would have had a much harder time understanding what was going on it kept bouncing back and forth in time like crazy. Like in one episode and the next, you'd be like, one storyline is in the future and the other is like way in the past, but they're both presented like they're in the present. And then there's a third story and you're just like, where are we in space and time? It's very, very bizarre. So it's interesting. The, the, I'll just explain super quickly from, so this first season of TV pretty much, gains all of its inspiration and stories from the first two books in the witcher series so the way the witcher series works there's two books that are considered like short story collections they're just like 300 page novels that have a bunch of different short stories in them with a framing device around them and the way the last short story like it starts with the striga short story is the first very first time we meet Geralt in the first <laughs> book called the last wish and That's then the, the second book the sort of destiny ends with that story um much more where Geralt and Ciri um meet each other in that cabin uh, that's where the last book ends and then the witcher saga starts up so basically we introduce Ciri at the end and then we get full-on Siri in the in the actual saga of the witcher so what the show did, what i assume the show was trying to do was look we have three characters that everyone knows and loves Geralt, yennefer and Siri, and we want to introduce them all in the pilot and start them all at the beginning and then work our way to the end which i think yennefer's premieres in episode two charles okay well basically they didn't show any yennefer at all in episode one huh I, guess I think Ye Yennefer, like episode two starts with Yennefer. Okay, but basically like, they yeah. have these three characters and they want to tell all their stories at the beginning from the beginning, which is not how the books did it at all. And I see the advantages to that. You want fans to meet and fall in love with these characters and become fans of these characters from the beginning. But I think having three different plots and trying to weave them in and out of each other made it more confusing than it had to be, you know? So the way the first book starts, The Last Wish, he confronts the Striga and then gets injured. You saw he, like, it's the returns back into the princess, but then while she's the princess, she, like, gets him in the neck or something, and he gets badly wounded. And mm -hmm. in, the, in the book called The Last Wish... He ends up going to a temple where he's getting healed for that wound. And while he's getting healed, he's telling stories of all these other 
pieces of his history. So it becomes like a framing device. So when you hear stories like the law of surprise and, and um, the butcher of Blaviken and all these other things, it's, would always come back to this framing device that is him healing in the present day. And they talk about Yennefer and I think Yennefer might even show up. I don't, can't really remember, but they talk about it. So it gives you, it's almost just like an anthology of girl being a badass and you getting to know him. And it's all these cool moments. And then it weaves in the, his, his destiny stuff. And then it ultimately ends with him meeting Siri. Um, Whereas in the show series, right at the beginning, but it's, it, the the time traveling aspect of it to me was like start the story where it begins and <laughs> and go from there. We don't need to be like because characters are dead and then they're not dead and then they're they're dead again. <laughs> like what? Like the Queen Calanthe kept popping up and disappearing. I think she died like two or three times. We, we saw her die just so that we could understand where we were in time. It just felt very bizarre. Yeah. That's interesting that you're saying all that. I, I think I, as someone who didn't, I didn't really come into this with any understanding of, the timeline of Witcher, really anything about Witcher besides the very superficial stuff I was mentioning earlier. And I'll say there was a point early on where I was kind of confused basically when uh, the Queen is still alive in the Law of Surprise episode and things like that. And I'm like, wait, where's... Like, that's not Siri. Like, yeah, right. Like, I exactly. Was, yeah. I thought it was very but, demanding of the viewer for no reason, except they wanted to tell everyone's story from the beginning. I, yeah. And I think I wonder how much of that could have been solved by just being more straightforward with, like, even just putting the time stamp on, like, what year it is or whatever. Or um, even if what I would have that. maybe encouraged them to do, what, and it might be hard for someone to do, is like hold back on the series storyline. Maybe even wait till the end of the season. You know, it's like tell Geralt's story and Yennefer's story. You could too, and then have the law of surprise, and then you know get to the battle, and then have the queen die. Only once at the moment when she's supposed to, and then you 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 pick up the story from there. You know, it was just too confusing with all this other. Mm, all yeah, this other... I mean, I liked I liked Siri a lot. In yeah, and this. I think that's I why they that, decided uh, to Freya go the way Allen they did. did a great job portraying her. She has some really good moments. I was very impressed. Like yeah, when she's told by the person she was traveling with, Dara. I think it is. Uh, uh, she's told by him, like, hey, you're going to have to find some new family, basically. And she's, like, obviously very upset by it. That scene, I was like, she's got chops. So I was impressed yeah. by... I was impressed by the main three, like, all of their acting. Oh, um, yeah, me too. I thought they were all fantastic. That, I think, that does a lot of the work for making this show good. And I, I'll say though, once I, once I kind of wrap my head around like, okay, the Yennefer stuff and the Geralt stuff is in the past long enough where like Siri is going to be the child that is like the child of surprise. And now she's like a teenager. So 
I don't know. I think if you, it is asking a decent amount, but I think like literally just understanding that one thing that like, okay, if we're seeing Geralt and we're seeing Yennefer, we just assume like that's the past, but that kept moving to my knowledge anyway, like that kept moving forward within its own timeline, as did Ciri's story kept moving forward within her own timeline. So I think like all you need to know is that and everything else is pretty much falls into place. So there was a moment of confusion. Yeah, for me, I think but it I would think take you're... a few episodes of being confused before you get a handle of it. But it's not many. It's maybe three episodes like um, it. But it does take a little while to understand where we are. But I, guess, I see why yeah. they did it. Like, I don't think it was wrong the way they did it. It's not the way I would have gone about it for sure but it is a way and i respect it it's a good way to introduce every character at the beginning which generally in a show you want people to you know fall in love with the main characters right away so i get it i find myself resistant to the idea of writing out a character i really liked but i i could see how someone in terms of siri like writing around the first season so i think i could see how someone who's read the books and like seeing the merits of doing this a little more slow roll would be coming in saying like eh, it's better that way but yeah as someone who's only seen the show it's like oh, yeah. why would you and take then out for things someone you I know, really liked? The, and then i do feel like they were the pace was so fast also because for there's sure. a whole bunch of stuff like that striga stuff is a really great story that kicks off the whole series in the books that you know, there's a little bit more political intrigue that gets involved in it, and it's got this very gothic fairy tale like tone, and it's very much a great way to start. Uh, so that was kind of missed. And then, like you said, you felt the stuff with um, Renfrey was rushed. It is only one story that's told um, in the books as well, so she doesn't last long in the books. I don't books know if I'd either. say it was rushed. I just I like you know when you like a character, you wish mm-hmm. you could get more time with them. But they, I do kind of think like they, her story. You do get got more told. time, but I think the character in the books did a great and in, in the show, I mean, did a great job. Like I didn't really think twice about the character in the books because it was like one story and it was an early mm-hmm. one. But like, and she was very she's very charismatic and impactful in the show. But the one with like three jackdaws and the dragon that was so insanely rushed. Like, there's so much stuff that happens in that story that was skipped, like, blown through. I was like, wow, you have this whole, you have this opportunity to tell this whole story, and you're on a Netflix show, which could theoretically, like, never end, but you decide just to, like, burn through it. There's not that many pages of the Witcher series in total, so it was kind of surprising to me to see just how fast they were willing to burn through these short stories because they pretty much told all the good highlights from the short stories collections so it's like the first two books they pretty much covered in one season there's a bunch of other stories in them that i'm sure they'll tell but those were the main ones and it was can i uh, mention something about yennefer uh while we were talking about some of this pacing stuff yeah i I think this is the example I was reaching for with her and couldn't think of before is where she, how quickly she goes, at least in terms of the pacing of the show, not in terms of like the decades or whatever that passed. Mm-hmm. The 
how quickly she goes from this, like, I'm going to give up whatever I can to change these things about myself. And yeah, of course, it's cool that I like won't be able to ever have a baby. Like that's not even something that seemed to be on her mind uh, so much. Yes. And then all of a sudden, it's like her one of her main arcs that she's dealing with is maybe her main arc is that she wants to figure out how to like be able to have a baby again. I'm like, yeah, I I didn't buy in just because she like had that one moment in whatever episode it was where she was like trying to save a baby that I'm like, Oh, now you want a baby. Like I, I totally get it. It's like, I don't know. I get decades have passed, but you got to give us a little more. Why? If they're going to change that dramatically. And, it could be, for all we know, it could be hundreds of years too, because you know wizards are hundreds and hundreds of years old. Uh, so I don't really know how old Yennefer is by the time she meets Geralt, but my impression was that she was very old. Um, but the books don't go into Yennefer's backstory, at least the ones I've read. Uh, it's it's re- honestly there's in the Last Wish, which is the one with the. Um, the gin that it's like a throwaway line. Geralt was like, you were a hunchback. And then that was like it. And so when I saw the show, I'm like, Oh, is that Yennefer? Like I didn't even, it didn't connect in my mind for a while that we were watching Yennefer in that, in that second episode. And then it goes through all this weird stuff of her in school, which I never knew anything about. And, and where she makes that decision. It's Cause when she's like, you can't have kids. And she's like, I don't care. I was like, but that's her whole thing, like in in the, in the future. So um, it it may cut hundreds of years, but yeah, I thought that was really bizarre, also. Um, and honestly, though, in in the books, she like, I think Andrei Sapkowski kind of just lets that fizzle out. It doesn't really go anywhere that I've seen. Like, it's just kind of like a Spoilers. weird thing that she's like kind of obsessed with, but it's. I don't know. It, it's it was a bizarre thing. It, I I think it's meant to like make her feel more of like a parental responsibility to Siri because we know that their destinies now are all tied together, and she's trying to get this like maternal bond thing going. But I agree with you. It wasn't very successful, especially when in like the sh- scene right beforehand, they were he was just like, "You'll never have a baby," and he's like, and she's like, "I'm cool with that." <laughs> it's yeah. Like, it's like okay. Well, you said you were cool with it, and now you're not cool with it. I don't really sympathize with you at all. Well, and we you just don't even like babies. We need more than one scene to take her from. I d- like I didn't even think exactly. twice. Exactly. So what, to... that was one of the things. I was like, what is the rush with this show? Like, why are we trying to move so quickly? It's like you know, a show that's afraid it's going to get canceled or something. We're just like cramming stuff in. Yeah, maybe uh, it was. I hope it, yeah, they probably were like, look, it's going to be a really expensive to make this. We've got Henry Cavill, you know, let's make sure that this is a hit by telling all the best bits of the story. That could very well have been the case. I don't know, but it seems like that was the case. But I think now that the, I think the show, if I'm not mistaken, was like very, very popular. And I mean, they're making the spinoff and they're making a season two. So I hope that they kind of, and I think a lot of the biggest criticism of the show was the pacing and the like time and place, the jarring time and place transitions. So 
I'm very optimistic about it, about season two. Well, yeah, I want to say I actually really liked the season. I feel like we've been yeah, pretty critical too. in this episode. And I think the pacing stuff does stick out as like, yeah, what was going on here? And some of these like character motivation things move. They feel like they move quickly because of the pacing, I guess. So it's it's all wrapped in when it comes to that bit. And yeah, I but I I liked it a lot. The show looked beautiful. I mean, yeah, it's a very good looking show. And the car- the to, monsters were amazing, also. Yeah, monsters look great. The cinematography, the just, I don't know, just the landscapes. I didn't look into where it was filmed or whatever, but it's uh was really cool. I don't know. Something I really liked about this, and this is probably just Witcher in general, mm-hmm. uh, not just the the show, I guess. But it's. I think that this modern fantasy is missing a lot of these return to the like monster fighting stuff yeah. that like is a lot of its roots actually. I mean, even just like the roots of mythology it, that obviously fantasy draws a lot from, and just like Dungeons and Dragons, which is a lot of people's introduction to fantasy. And as someone who like I'm not currently in Dungeons and Dragons uh, campaign, but I played it and love it. And I think I was really excited. I know I I said I was like, I want this meathead (laughs) Basham version of it. But I was really excited for something that was going to take a thoughtful modern fantasy type approach to fighting against monsters. The only other thing that comes to mind immediately as something that I've read that does that well is for very different reasons than uh, Witcher is Kings of the Wild and that uh, the band series by Nicholas Eames uh, does mm. that well. And that's, that's a tease. Cause I'm, I'm going to pitch <laughs> that one to you soon, uh, but uh... yeah, but I think as someone who's read, so, you know, I'm, <laughs> I'm the one who's obsessed with all these like modern fantasy things based on this revolution of George saying like people are the real monsters. So I wasn't going to put in orcs and stuff, but I think it's nice to see this kind of like, Hey, the like monsters and stuff have a place in a modern fantasy, like for a modern fantasy audience. I agree a hundred percent. One of the things that drew me to Witcher, it has a charm to it. It's, it's heavily inspired from like, you know, folklore and mythology and folklore and mythology has all these like violent things in it. Like, Oh, this is a monster that will eat you in your sleep. And, and, you know, like boil kids alive and stuff, you know, like those old, like fable-y kind of stories. And, Witcher takes those monsters and stories and brings them into this modern fantasy world. It's really quite interesting. And I mean, a bounty hunter is, is badass. Like they're, they're cool. And then a bounty sure. hunter that kills monsters is even more cool. And then you weigh that with, you know, politicking and, and morality. Like when you think about it, when you go back to like the Striga, it's basically, it's the King had an incestuous relationship with his sister she got pregnant. She was killed while pregnant, and this monster crawled out of the womb of the corpse. <laughs> it was like it's 
hardcore stuff. That is, yeah, creepy stuff. And it's like that's how kind of monsters are made. It's by like mankind twisting something sacred and turning it into something horrible, something as sacred as an unborn, like a newborn baby, and and love and 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 pregnancy and, and twisting it all and corrupting it all. And that's what creates a monster and then Geralt has to go kill the monster but he decides not to kill it and instead um try and save it almost at his the cost of his own life so it's very very interesting and those moments are the ones for me that shine the brightest in the show and but and it, that that's what makes it so good and all those scenes are done incredibly well like the kikimora the dragons the striga the even that poor like weird monster thing that that night guy just like killed <laughs> it's like cut yeah. up all the limbs and then started hacking it you're like wow like they all looked yeah, incredible so it, it really made that show come alive so yes as much as i like had reservations about the time traveliness of it and the pacing of it it is an incredibly well produced show and i i i was very entertained watching it and reading the books also it kind of brings you back to that what you were talking about that like return to form kind of fantasy it's only like 300 pages and it's just fun to read which when you read some of these meatier longer series they're always fun to read but sometimes it's nice to just have something a little more for lack of a better word, popcorny like Witcher still has substance, but there it it has this more of this like popcorn movie element to it of like it's entertaining, it's fun, it's short, it's fast, you know. It's, and I think the show captured a lot of that really well. Well said, Charles. Yeah, that's uh, that's what I that's part of what I most liked about this show is all that return to form stuff that we're talking about and to to do it with this more nuanced i think take than oftentimes a a dungeons and dragons campaign might have or than you'd see in some really old school fantasy where like a monster would just by its inherent nature be evil but then in witcher we have a moment where that that thing that the knight killed yeah. Geralt is just like if we just gave it some food it would go away it was probably just starving yeah. <laughs> I really like that and then it was like be gone foul beast and just like brutalized <laughs> it the poor yeah. monster was like screaming in pain it was, and then they all just were making fun of the knight the rest of the time mm. so that was, a, that was a good moment for sure I also another good moment. This is totally different. But I, I loved in the last episode where he so he saves that uh, that guy with the caravan or whatever. He saves his right. life. Geralt saves that guy's life, and then but Geralt gets bit by one of those zombie things, whatever those were, and then Geralt's kind of like hallucinating in the back of this thing, and <laughs> then. Uh, like that guy still feels like, hey, I owe you something when Geralt has gotten healed and come to. And he's like, I'll offer you. He's like, I don't have much, but I'll offer you like the law of surprise. Like what I have not, I will give to you or whatever. And Geralt's like, 
please just give me an ale and let's call it a deal. <laughs> like, the law of surprise has brought him so much trouble at this point already. It's like, please just get me a beer. Right. <laughs> I agree. No, and that was another unfortunate thing that they sped through in like 20 minutes is that whole story. And when he meets his mom and everything, it's so much more like they actually have like a full on dialogue and and you learn more about them and and more about Geralt than his mom and, and all those things. And, but they just breeze through it like a fever dream <laughs> in that episode, which was unfortunate. But they're trying to get to Siri and. That's a great moment in both the books and the show when their paths finally kind of intersect. It is a great moment. When Destiny brings them together like that and he's like, finally, because he was, you know, trying so hard to get to her and then Destiny intervened anyway. So it was a great moment. It's so cute when she hugs him. Yeah, it was very cute. (laughs) It's like she just knows she's been looking for this guy and it's like almost the last remnant of her family in some ways because this is like what her grandma said is like look i i can't help you anymore but i'm passing you on to this guy Geralt, and she just knows <laughs> I, I did like calanthe and how she kept trying to trick Geralt and yeah and was just prevent everyone from prevent destiny from taking her her granddaughter away and like tried to hide the kids and tried to prevent Dooney from marrying her. She's not afraid to like confront destiny and, and shake things up. And it was a fun character. It was uh sad to see her go, but she's another one that had to go for sure. Well, that's uh any other thoughts on the Witcher that you want to discuss here, Charles? I, uh I well, like... I would say like, what did you think of Jasker and um, his music, the Bard? Oh, I, you know, I was thinking when I said there were only three characters that I was like really invested in. I'll say a little bit after I said that, I was like, oh, I did like the Bard <laughs> in my head. It's so funny. I was so confused. Things. I was like, wait, what are they calling him? And I had to do some research. So um, Andrzej Sapkowski's Polish, right? So the books were written in Polish. And when they were being translated into English, I read that apparently Jasker is a flower, but it translates to buttercup or something like that. And I guess or the dandelion, English... dandelion, apparently. No, no, it translates to Buttercup, and the translator was like, I'm not naming this character Buttercup, and named him Dandelion. And (laughs) (laughs) instead, and then the audiobooks, it's funny, it's the same audiobook narrator, but for the short story collections, he calls him Dandelion, and then when the saga starts, Uh, he switches it to Dandelion. Oh, right, that's so So I'm so confused, and uh, it, but then I guess the show decided to just keep the Polish name, Jasker. So it was that's was, a fair call. That I was agree. a good portrayal from uh, Joey Beatty. I hope I'm pronouncing his names correctly. Yeah, that um, is difficult. It's a difficult thing to um to do to be like that, you know, bard, charismatic type. You don't want to come off cringy. You don't want to come off like a Johnny Depp wannabe. You know, you, you're trying to be like the comic relief. That's a tough role. Especially in the he series like it. The Witcher. And yeah. I thought. 
I would agree. I, mean, I think he did a I great job. I never thought he was cringy or anything. Oh no, like me neither. That. I'm I... saying that's the risk that comes with that kind yeah, of role. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? Like that role can, like the comic relief character can either be like the fan favorite or the eye roll cringe character, and uh, I think he nailed it. Dandelion, or I guess uh, Jasker, is um is a great character in both the shows and the movies. He's very funny and. He, He's always getting the shows himself into and trouble. The books, you mean? Yeah, what did I say? Movies. Oh, yeah, no, shows and books. And the video game, too. Um, so, very charismatic guy, very funny. Um, he ends up becoming, like, the traveling buddy for Geralt for, like, most of the series. And they have, they have a good partnership. Like, for some reason, Geralt, like, is acting like he's tolerating him at all times but they actually develop like a really close friendship and you can see that in the show where it's just like why am i traveling with you it's like just leave me alone but he can't just seem to quit him you know they're just too close they're just buddies well i thought that as these things went with the pacing and stuff like that i felt like their relationship they got down perfectly the pacing yes. of that in the show yes. like yes. they never tried to make you believe they were further along than they actually were and you did get Agreed. this idea of a lot of this time passing and you it it never felt to me like it felt with a lot of other characters and their relationships and stuff it never felt like we were being asked to believe more than what we've seen Exactly. And, you know, they did it right. They started with um, that story where they were captured by, they were attacked by that goat with the metal balls, and then they were captured by the elves, and um, and they escaped. And then that's when, um, I'll call him Jasker, even though it'll always be dandelion to me, Jasker um, writes that song with all those embellishments and basically makes Geralt famous. And... <laughs> That was a great way to start it. And that was a great song. I like that they wrote that song and made it like a big thing. And um, it was, uh, you know, a really great moment. It is really good. I always love a good bar character. Well, yeah, that's a thing, right? That's another thing that I appreciate about this (laughs) in the... Dungeons and Dragons type feel to it, where it's just like bards are awesome bards are a critical part of a good D &D party and when they're well done they're a lot of fun and to just unabashedly have just like a bard and to play the trope straight but do a good job of it I appreciate that. Yeah. They're, no, it's a lot of fun. They're not trying to subvert the bard or anything. They're <laughs> no. just, hey, here's a good bard. Yes, yes. It, there's a lot of Witcher that's like, that's like, hey, here's just a good classic fantasy tale. And um, the show stayed true to that. And I'm a huge fan. Netflix didn't meddle too much with the source material. It'll be interesting to see if they go like really into the, the Witcher saga or if they'll kind of tell their own tale. I'd be happy with either one, honestly. But uh, Dylan, are you gonna pick up the video games now, or at uh, least Witcher? 3? Really, what I will play Witcher three at some point. That is pretty much a guarantee. All this comes down to, 
and we can have some off the air conversations because <laughs> they probably won't be interesting for listeners about just story wise what the best way to to the go games about this to tell is their own I wanna, thing. I feel like there's got to be like some serious spoilers to playing only Witcher that characters may or may not be dead you know like if that's mm-hmm. that might be the only thing but even then it's hard to tell where in time you are all right like well the, well i mean if it's yeah go ahead Charles. the books and the you. show tell the same story so far it's like if you if you were to read the first two standalone books like the short story collections you will have gotten everything that was in the show for the most part. Mm-hmm. But if you played Witcher 3, it would be in the very, very distant future. And like Siri is like a young woman. She's like maybe early 20s, I guess, in Witcher That's 3. That's a spoiler. Um, <laughs> so it's like, is that a spoiler? Uh, that's mean, about as much fast you're playing pretty fast and loose with your series knowledge and your theory knowledge i mean <laughs> this isn't it's not like a series that's can really be spoiled that's that's as far as i'm concerned it's just like a story that keeps going and like the stuff that happens is fun and exciting and and it goes and goes and um, yeah, no, I'm not overly concerned, honestly, myself. I just, uh, you know, I, I fear for I the think, listeners like, who come in I, thinking, I've seen I was the show, I'm safe. reading it, I would be like, <laughs> you're always safe. This is a safe space. It's not, I don't know if it's spoiler-free for the, it's like very never gentle. never promised spoiler-free. For the, for the, ser- for the, for the book series. I think if you tune into a Witcher TV thing yeah you, have you know to have let, seen it yeah the you you have to have seen the show but yeah. is it fair game to reveal things about the story that happened down the line in the book series or that are portrayed in the video game i don't know i mean you tell us listeners you tell us i don't i, I think the games are their own thing not related to the book the book and the show seem to be intertwined but the the game is out in its own stratosphere that's the impression i get okay i mean if you're feeling that having played the game and also i mean i'm like in the first quarter of the game but yeah i'm almost done with the book series and it seems like the games take way past anything i've read in the books so oh wow yeah that's an interesting choice uh I mean, I would assume, again, it's kind of hard to tell sometimes. Hmm. But they mention things in the game that are consistent with the book, but the stories are totally different. Well, I'll, I'll pick it up at some point. That's Give it a that's pretty up. much a guarantee. I hear it's a great game. I'm it enjoying is. the Witcher story, so I'm not going to overthink knows, maybe this Maybe the Witcher will appear on a very soon upcoming episode of Friends talking fantasy. We'll see. Mm. When I say very soon, it really would be several months. We'll still have to leave, read Lord of the Rings. But <laughs> Oh, you mean Who friends knows? pitching fantasy? Well, yeah. In that, in the future, and yeah. then maybe even the more distant future than that, if we actually no. decide to read it. Who knows? Well, that is my choice. 
Charles. I, <laughs> It'll be up to I you. Will... It depends on what I decide to pitch. True, but I'll have at least uh, three choices when you do. <laughs> so, but the Witcher is gonna, the Witcher is gonna be a strong candidate because I'm into this story, and I think, I think I, I at the very least would have a hard time making that one my desk rejection. I think I'd want to hear you pitch the, pitch those books. So. Mad respect. Anything we should say before we part ways with the fans? Uh, not really. Uh, if you want to talk about the Witcher TV show, you can hit us up on the Insta, as the kids are calling it. Hit us up. Uh, you can follow us at the FTF Podcast One at uh, <laughs> on Twitter. Twitter, yeah. <laughs> hit us up on the Insta. Here's our Twitter handle. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. If you search for friends talk, I don't know even what our Insta. Do you even have an Instagram yes. handle? Yes, it's the FTF Podcast. Same with Facebook. Twitter is the okay. FTF Podcast with the number one. Our email is the FTF Podcast at gmail.com. I feel like people aren't gonna people just would search friends talking fantasy. Yeah, but if um, it was the case where our SEO wasn't as amazing as it is and a bunch of things popped up and they weren't sure which one is us, it's the at FTF podcast is the unique identifier that would help them find us that's fair but i did just type i mean maybe maybe it's biased because i'm typing in on the ftf podcast yeah. instagram account but when i type in friends talking fantasy on insta uh, we do come up first so hopefully that's the case for people who that's not their actual account um, hopefully. <laughs> and yeah hit us up there send us an email or whatever at uh, the ftf podcast at gmail.com do that and i'm always down to chat you know we that. love to we love to we love to chat with the fans yeah we always reply we have a hundred percent reply rate so far that's not true <laughs> well of all the of all the um actual people and not like spammers and that, that's a real person <laughs> charles <laughs> we had a post that very much seems to be by a real person that I haven't responded to, um, but I don't know. It was a pretty, I don't want to diss one of our fans. <laughs> They're clearly not a fan. It's clearly either like someone who just is texting weird stuff, to, messaging weird stuff to a lot of accounts or is a bot. And I think you'd They're be surprised not... how many bots are on Instagram, bro. The, a bot that, it was a very specific message, uh, and it Again, was in keyword a clear... search, like the word "faith," for example, and and then spam weird messages to anything that says "faith." Maybe, yeah. But the whole thing with the but they didn't mention anything with the specific stuff? to the post and the profile or anything. That's fair. Maybe it was a bot. If it was a bot, then I don't feel odd about outing them but i would assume when it's a long rambling that means nothing and doesn't address anything mentioned in the post like all of our other direct messages have been like hey like the show or what's what's going on with the show or you know like this i like this series (laughs) this sounds interesting (laughs) like yeah like Like, oh thank you (laughs) and then there's like we love you uh, so much this changed my life this is a great uh, we don't get a lot of i love your opinions but it would be it would be Charles nice to seems hear. grumpy, but I, I like Dylan. 
<laughs> that one comes Grumpy. up a lot. It comes up never. <laughs> you put me in these positions where I have to defend myself. <laughs> All right. Well, that with that. With that, as the man who controls the outro music, I'm going to go ahead and play us out. Hopefully this isn't too loud for you. Thank you, everybody, for listening. This has been another exciting episode of the Friends Talking Fantasy podcast. Thank you so much for listening to our bonus episode, a very, very unique first-time series discussion of The Witcher on Netflix. If you liked it, let us know. Thank you all for listening. And as always, go forth and conquer, friends. Friends.